0: This is Shop Talk Radio, episode 30, with James Goldcrown. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome to Shop Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, and on this show, we bring you inspiring guests to dive underneath the hood of the creative entrepreneur lifestyle to bridge the gap between art, commerce, and inspiration. What is up Shop Talk Creatives? Today I'm excited to bring to you today's guest, Mr. James Goldcrown. He is a former photographer gone fine artist and he's from the UK and he's been over here for a handful of years and he is doing this thing called the Shed Project out in Soho and it's a little gallery slash workspace on Mott and Delancey Street. You should go check it out if you have a moment, and you're in the city. And you can check out the project online at the shedprojectny.com, and you can get a taste for what his style is and what the art that he creates. But James and I met through another mutual artist and writer friend, Amber Ray, and Amber told me about his project, The Shed Project. And I went and checked it out and I really loved what he was doing. I love his style I, and it's something that I've been looking at doing for a long time. I just didn't know how to do it. And soon to find out, I realized that James and Amber were doing art classes at the Shed Project at the studio once every other week and they're still doing them. So if you have a chance and you are live in New York or you're visiting New York, you can check it out. I went a couple of weeks ago and learned how to wheat paste, and that's where my inspiration for my recent art projects that I've been working on. Uh, you can check those out on my Instagram at Nagonkin if you like. I'm sitting here in a sea of spray paint and plastic and wheat pasted canvases in my studio and recording this here. So, what I'm excited to bring to you guys today is James's story of how he started out in photography. He assisted some big photographers and then became a fashion photographer. And then he eventually moved over to, the, to New York from London. And he began working as a photographer here and then moved into mixed media. And how that transition happened and how he ended up selling art out of the back of a truck on the streets and how well it went. So in this episode, we actually get to learn some of his tips and tricks of how he did that and much, much more. So without further ado, let's jump in. Well, today we've got James Goldcrown in the studio. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. So give us a little backstory and and
1: tell us what you do, what you're up to in the city, and where you're from. So starting off with a backstory, I'm from London, England. I was born in Hammersmith. I've been in New York for around seven years now. I lose count at this point. Seven years, October. Um, I started off in London as a photographer. I was kind of born into the trade. I left school when I was fairly young. I started working off in a dark room. My mum was like, get out of the house, get a job. I <laughs> had no real choice. I didn't really come from an extremely wealthy family, so I had to start working. My mother raised my sister and myself, and I started working at 18 years old in a dark room in South London. And this is before digital photography, so it was very much learning how to use lamps and exposure so I kind of self-taught myself how to use cameras and then from that I would then start assisting photographers and that would lead to working in the fashion industry all just by chance and then I became a fashion photographer for magazines, um, doing editorial Mm. backstage at Fashion Weeks and then I came to New York and was offered a job as a studio photographer here so that's how I ended up in New York. Oh, awesome. So what was your induction into photography? How did you get into that? Um, My induction was basically I worked in the dark rooms and we had a studio upstairs and photographers would rent out the space and I was, what, like 18 years old at the time and then I would be the studio assistant and I would be an assistant for the photographers and then I would basically just help out and then from that I would be... That's how I got into the photography. And um, I think it really resonated for me wanting to work in fashion. I was It was like a month and a half, two, maybe two months after I got into it. I was also running around. So do, we do all the printing for newspapers and magazines mm. at the darkroom. And I would be the runaround boy. So I'd go and deliver all the work. And I'd take all the work to the newspaper, mm. of, um, th- whatever it was, like the Financial Times, the Daily Express. I'd be the runner. And I would meet all the other people. So I'd meet photographers. I was young. I was like very inspired. And then one day this guy, Steve Woods, he's a photographer, like a big um, like fashion photographer, does a lot of behind the scenes kind of stuff. He Mm. asked me if I wanted to go with him to Paris. And I was obviously like a kid. I was like, of course I want to go to (laughs) Paris. So he took me to Paris and I literally just was blown away by the, it was just like overwhelming to see the behind the scenes it's just this glamorous lifestyle and um, yeah I was sold yeah so that's what I wanted to do did you always know that you wanted to do photography from as a kid or were you an artist as a kid no I didn't I I didn't really I mean when you're a kid I don't think you really ever know what you want to do I think you want to do things that are kind of beyond your reach Um, but no I I never really grew up wanting to I always knew I was going to be an artist it's really weird I, I was always very creative at school it was something that that was my strength. And I was very aware of that. I was, uh, you know, I could paint, I could draw, I could, I had a vision. I'd always saw things through a lens, even Mm. as a kid. Like if I was riding the bus, I'd use the window, the window would be like the lens. I'd see things through that specific window. And that's how I saw like the outside world. So yeah, I never really, it just happened. It's, it was meant to happen. Yeah. I I guess it found me, you know, it -hmm. was waiting for me and I (laughs) <laughs> it's like heaven I don't know so you followed your passion
0: you followed, I followed your I Just
1: yeah I think that's it was natural it just all happened naturally it wasn't forced it wasn't I have to do this it was like it just fell into place yeah so I was lucky yeah that's great so when you entered the the fashion world
0: the photography what kind of things were you shooting and and give it paint us a little picture yeah. of that
1: so when i first started off we would do editorial shoots for like days confused magazine i was working there for a while i was assisting um one of their well one of the owners rankin i was his assistant i'd do other shoots i'd assist i um we, it was mainly editorial so I'd also do stuff like in-house for like Dan von Fustenberg like Marc Jacobs we do like like you know just all behind the scenes kind of like for fashion week I'd work for a company called Modelinia I was their f- um photographer um so many na- like Harper's and Queen was the first job I ever got was Harper's mm. Bazaar in London wow. actually I was <laughs> I was like 19 18 they sent me out to do this job had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> and um, yeah, I, yeah. So I, I kind of like worked. I know I didn't believe it's really weird because I don't believe like there's always starting from the bottom, working your way up. I feel like you can just jump on a ladder. So I never really like thought about going to small magazines like when I was a kid because mm-hmm. like, you know you're freelance. I was like, let's just go big. So I'd go up, like walk into. Harper's. I'd walk into the Vogue office in London and I was just like, I want to see someone and show them my work. And that's kind of like how I uh, got out there as well. I never like wanted to start off with small magazines. I wanted to go loud, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like how I got into it, into it. Yeah. It sounds like there's a
0: a bit of fearlessness in terms of just going after it. Is that something that you
1: were, that you've grown up with? Yeah, I think you have to, um, I think you have to just be like aggressive with it, you know. I think when you, I, th- it's like, it's hard to explain. It's like I don't, I just see something and I go and get it. I don't think mm-hmm. about it. It's just like I'm, I have to do this. And I think fear is a distraction. I guess like you gotta, fear is good sometimes. You need it, but um, I like to just, if I if I know I can get it, I'll go and get it. And I like to kind of challenge myself as well. So it's really, um yeah, fear is, I like to think sometimes I don't really feel the fear. I mm. feel it in different things, but not when it comes to work. Yeah.
0: So, in terms of, did you ever get rejected going into meetings and things oh, like course. that? Of <laughs> course.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, if, more rejections than success. I. I would you. I mean, you'd go into a meeting when you. When I was younger as well, you'd go into a meeting and you, you just had no idea what you were saying. You sounded mm. like you were. A, I was a kid. <laughs> um, I was just like, "Thank you for coming. Bye." And I was just like, "Oh man!" And then you'd like chase them up and never hear back from them. And you know, I never saw that as like failure though. It was just a process of getting to where you need to get to. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got the door slammed in my face many times. I got fired many times from jobs. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. What's a,
0: tell us a good story about a time you got fired on a job.
1: It, well, it wasn't so much firing. So I was working at Days and Confused magazine. This was a while ago. And I, this was actually a transition in my life. This was a really big moment for me because I needed a break from the industry. It was drying me out. And um, we were actually doing a photo shoot for like with a fairly well-known actress And she was over from the States. And um, I asked her if I could take some photographs with her, like, on the side. Hmm. And um, she was like, yeah, sure, sure. And then um, we did it. And then her publicist came up to me afterwards. And she called me a name, I won't say. But I don't think I've ever been called this in my life. (laughs) And um, I was just like, wow. Like, anyway, so she complained to the staff etc etc and at the time though i was offered to go to africa to do a documentary to present and host it and it was something that i was like really thinking about doing but you know i had a job and it was like i needed two months to take out to research and do all this stuff Mm. anyway so to cut a long story short i was in the office we were all having this talk and i just like had this moment where everything just stood still people were talking to me and i was not listening to anything they said and the whole project to go to africa really kind of like it was like this is when i need to do it and i just Hmm. looked at everyone and i went i quit (laughs) and i don't think they were expect i think maybe they were going to fire me but i just i wasn't listening to what they were saying i quit i went to africa we made a great documentary i came back and i felt rejuvenated i felt it was um yeah it was a big moment i learned a lot and i saw a lot and um Sometimes you need to walk away to walk back, you know. And mm. sadly, at that time, there wasn't much money in documentary work, <laughs> so I got back into fashion. But um, it was an amazing, clear process, like clear head process for me. And it was, um, yeah. Sometimes people, I feel like in fashion as well, it's such an aggressive industry, and people don't really like what they do. I fi- I see a lot of miserable people in the industry. It's like, yeah it's um it's a very narcissistic very fickle industry and i mean i, I don't do it as much anymore i yeah. kind of do my thing now but um i don't miss it i do not miss it at all <laughs> i can yeah. understand that
0: yeah i mean that's an interesting point that you bring up to sometimes you have to walk away yeah and dive a little deeper into that what like tell me a little bit more about what you learned out of that and how that propelled you forward
1: i think what i mean you need to clear your mind like like living in new york city is a great example of that so i always like say new york is like a relationship it's like when you're in you know in brooklyn or in jersey when you get that panoramic view of the city it's almost like this calm girlfriend lying down in bed like with the the sun shining through the window and the curtains like you know the the drapes are blowing gently in the wind, and she 's just very calm and and it looks beautiful and it's something that you're just like, "I love that, but then when you go into it it 's just chaos it 's mm. like plates being thrown you're having the argument so it's like a, a good metaphor for me it's just like you need to leave the chaos like you need to just like you need to leave it, you need to walk away sometimes and know not to get too involved and not to get too wrapped into it and a lot of people they get tangled you know like in the fishing net and I think it's very important to know when to walk away from something and I the Africa incident was perfect it was like I was just at this point where I didn't know what I wanted to do but I knew I had to do something and Mm. that was calling me and I had to go and see something deeper to come back to what I was doing I remember at the time as well I was You know i have i almost have ocd well i do have ocd (laughs) and um i was sharing a flat in london with a friend of mine whose sister was staying in my room when i was in africa normally i would lose it like if i come back like Mm. from a week and it was messy i'd be like what the you know like uh clean up did it so i had been in africa for like a month and a half met some of the most inspiring people um who have nothing but like have everything happiness that's another thing it's like we all you need to do is just like go and see people, meet people, be inspired by people. And when I was out there and I was just like, wow, I have it so good. I have like everything so good. And these kids made me understand, like I, I was how wasteful we are as well. I was, there was there's a point I was like taking Polaroids, I'd threw the case away of the Polaroid case and in a bin. And the kids just all like her off, they ran off and they grabbed a Polaroid from my hand. And then they were all like around this like trash can. I was like, "What the hell are they doing?" And then they came back with the Polaroid and the 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 canister of the Polaroid, and they'd made a frame and they'd put flowers around it. And they did this in like ten seconds. Wow! And I was just like, "Wow!" Like that's crazy. And we're you know being inspired by kids and women, like people that help out there and do so much for so little. It was like it was breathtaking. I did. We did the documentary was like. thankfully very successful we raised like good money as well Mm. and we donated all that back but um yeah i i just think sometimes you need to walk away from everything just like literally just drop everything you're holding just walk away go clear your mind and come back and then reprocess and going back to the point i was trying to make is that i came back to my apartment in london and my room was just like she destroyed it like she's like and i just didn't care i was just like it doesn't matter and that was a big deal for me like Mm. to have that emotion i just like oh it's all right (laughs) i've got it good yeah yeah so just like slowly fit back into your life but you know sadly you get back into the into the rage you come back and and as much as you get inspired it's like a memory that you have but you you have to get back into the reality of your life and Mm. realize that the world does take place and things happen and that was there for a reason mm-hmm. and I'm here for a reason. And you have to kind of continue your journey. You yeah. Know? So th- that's the reality is like, be inspired, but like, n- don't become too dreamy about it. Like you've got to get back on the real world. But yeah. Like, it's It's amazing to see things though. You have to like, you have to, yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: how do you, you know, taking that, how do you co- constantly check in, And take yourself back to that space of, you know, I I'm I'm guessing there was a feeling of gratitude for how you were brought up and what the where you're able to be.
1: Yeah. You know, and going to Africa and coming back shifted that. Yeah. I mean, my mom's a huge inspiration for me. Like she's uh she raised my sister and myself. She worked so many jobs when I was being brought up. I remember the th- I remember she would do, you know, it was difficult. You know, when you're young as well, you don't really appreciate and understand what your parents are doing for you because you're too young to understand. But I remember going with her to work and she'd go to colleges and sell sandwiches that she'd make at home and I'd help her do it. And then we'd wrap them up and then she'd put them in the car and we'd go to like colleges like drama schools and stuff and she'd roll up and she'd like sell her sandwiches <laughs> and use me as this cute little kid and um and she did it though she you know she, my mom was like a real believer in like she was, just went out there and did it and then she started her own business eventually and I think my I, I just think I naturally got it from her I was just like I never school wasn't really for me I had to go out there and just do it and I think I got that mm-hmm. from my mum. yeah I think that's where that comes from yeah, that's great.
0: Now, how far after the after Africa, how long did
1: you stay in photography? I've, I mean, I was out there shooting. I, I was I've been, I've been doing photography now for like fifteen years. Or so nineteen mm. years. I've always like. I mean, it's become such a more accessible thing now, just like digital photography. I mean, it's crazy when you look at... I know photographers who don't even, like, carry cameras. They just do it on the iPhone, you know, Instagram. It's, yeah. But, I, I mean, I still do it. I do it all the time. I'm shooting all the time. Um, not as much, though, like, in relation to fashion. I do more kind of artwork now. It's mixed media. Mm. Something that I feel that I'm getting rewarded for on a personal level. I never really felt the fashion really did it for me. Um, eventually it just it it burnt me out it was just everyone loves you and then when you've done the job no one cares you know Mm. um yeah so I I still shoot I still do private work I have a show coming up mid-september um so yeah I kind of yeah I still shoot
0: yeah I mean it sounds like you kind of you're you were doing
1: photography for a while, but
0: did, is there a space where your income, I guess, where you were doing photography full time yeah. to now you're doing uh, mixed medium and fine art, which I definitely want to dive into uh, because I love, I love what you have going on. I love your style, I love the stuff that you're creating. Thank you. So, you know, how, how did you... When did you go from from being a full-time photographer to moving into the fine arts and... and yeah, so space.
1: it must have been... It was around like 2010, I think. Um, uh, I used to work with a, a friend of mine from back in London. Bus- we started a small business off. Um, I was kind of at that point as well, working out what I wanted to do. So I took a year out of work. I, I've been worked since I was got like 18, 17 and I took a year out I just didn't want to work I had saved money I um, just wanted to like chill and just like live a little bit so I kind of just had a good fun time in New York did a bit of traveling and then um, he came up with this concept and we had this idea of like I was painting a lot more then as well like I've always painted I was just like dabbling and stuff and I was always doing mixed media stuff like just creating things but never really selling it because I didn't ever really think to and then we came up with this concept where we built this art truck so we had a trailer we turned it into a gallery we literally gutted it out painted it white blacked the floors varnished it it looked like a little boot it was a gallery on wheels it was amazing and then that's awesome. we made artwork and then we'd sell the artwork inside the truck and it was literally people i mean we we could not get people away from us. People were like, "What the hell is this?" They like were overwhelmed. We go to Williamsburg, Upper West Side, Dumbo, everywhere. We just roll up in this truck, open it up like to like. You want to talk about fearless? We were like, <laughs> we were out of control. We we're just two boys from London, just like, and oh, it's so funny. And we and that's how I learned how to sell art. I was like, mm. I could sell. It was like, <laughs> it was like selling drugs. It was like ridiculous. <laughs> it was like doing cash deals in the middle of the street. And it was like really weird. And I learned how to sell art from that. So then I kind of like, we, we just started experimenting with things. So I was like, I'm going to go print this out and put this on the canvas. And literally any, anything we made or anything we did, we would just sell. And there was no real like, uh, like I, we were self-taught salesmen, if, if you want. Mm. It's like, and then I realized I could sell art. I really could. And then I wanted to start doing that as a full-time passion. Mm. And um, here I am. That's what I do now. So, yeah.
0: That's awesome. I love that story. It's so cool. Uh, And how, you know, let's dive into like the art of selling art. How did you, what did you learn? What kind of things can you tell us about selling
1: art and selling out on the streets and making art that people want to buy, but yeah. still, so there's definitely like, um, there's definitely something you have to be very conscious of like what's going on. Like I'm very, I feel like I'm very business orientated. Like I've, I'm very adaptable and very aware of what people like. So you, when you're selling art, it's kind of important. You know, you, if you want to make things deep and meaningful that have personal meaning, you're going to find it harder to sell that. Mm. I think you need to be established and at a point to be able to be at that stage in your life to make money from it like you need to be known. Um, When you're in New York like for instance you know you, you look around you and you see what's cool so we do a lot of cityscape we do a lot of like kind of abstract and a lot of fashion like mixed media stuff but I'd also like get a lot of inspiration from music, magazines, like, and just see what 's working, you know, to mm-hmm. see that kind of stuff, and then test it out and there 's a lot of stuff that we 'd make which wouldn 't work, and then we just paint over, but I think you have to become very separated emotionally from what you 're making, so a lot of artists they get i meet them day in and day out, they come into the studio, they come into the gallery, and they want to sell their work, and they get very caught up with the emotion of what they 're making, and mm-hmm. I truly really try and separate that, and I find it very hard to work with artists that are like that because it's really about my work is about affordability as well so it's more about making a bunch of work and then selling it all and then reproducing you know Mm. a lot of people they're like I want eight thousand dollars and this and I'm like well you know you're not really established enough to be able to start demanding that kind of money yeah and also you're going to find that you're not going to really make that money like it's not really going to happen someone's not really going to drop eight grand on someone they don't know why don't you just be a bit realistic and like sell it for X amount and make more work and then you'll make eight grand in a month. Mm. So I kind of like try and make people see that, just work harder. Like, I mean, (laughs) I know so many artists that are so lazy and they just make a couple of pieces and I think in their head, they're already like, yeah, I'll just like sell that for like eight grand, man. And it doesn't happen, you know, (laughs) they're like kind of dreaming. Um, So I kind of encourage that. I'm all about like, look at it as a business. Don't be so naive about like, the you know look at yourself as kind of like a factory like you are the factory and just keep working and just once you sell the first piece you'll feel that feeling of like i can do this as well Mm. and that was another thing as well it's like you're always a bit nervous and then once you sell the first piece it's like selling cupcakes seriously (laughs) what was it like what's the story of when you sold your first piece oh wow this is so funny so (laughs) This is this is really funny, so the first piece of artwork I ever sold was to... I was on the streets in Soho, this was like 2007, and it was a fashion piece, it was my favourite piece. <laughs> this is a funny story, and I sold it to this girl, I'm not going to say any names. And um, she was really... I thought she was really hot at the time. <laughs> and um, she had a boyfriend, but I sold her the piece. And I was just um, kind of, I don't know, we we somehow exchanged digits. And to cut a long story short, we dated like four months, six months later. So I got to see the piece. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the first piece I ever sold. And I was, um, yeah, that was really funny. I love that. That's awesome. So I sold it to a guy I ended up dating for a while. I was this little street kid. Beautiful. (laughs) And she wasn't. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Um, You know, and, and I love how you're, just jumping out there and and selling your work and, you know, it's, it's something interesting. I've never really sold stuff on the streets. So how does that translate into where you're at now? You're kind of moving more into selling in galleries, you have your own space.
1: I'm I'm not one of these people that thinks that I'm better than that. Like I still, I still do it. Like me and this other artist, we work together. I'll, I'll go on this like Dumbo fest. I'll go on the streets and sell work in the streets. I don't think there's ever a stage where you're better than anything. You're just like, business is business. And I look at art as like, I'm going out there to give someone something as well. So Mm. I do definitely like to have different stages. So like, yeah, have the gallery, have exhibitions, but I still like, you know, do an email blast and be like, I'm going to be in Dumbo on the weekend selling artwork, like come and find me. I think people love that. I think we're we're in a city or in a stage right now where that's acceptable, mm. you know. Back in the day, you would have been definitely like categorised as like a street artist, or as like they would have people who just walk past you and be like, "Oh, I don't want to pay that, like for that." But mm. I've sold work on the street for like nine hundred dollars, like literally, to someone gives me their money on the street in Williamsburg, doesn't even ask two questions, and then they will walk away after giving me the money trusting that I will deliver the work to them. Wow. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know if it's just New York or if it's like, I don't know what it is, but like um, they, I just think the city has such different levels of excitement that I, I still love doing it. I mean, I learned how to sell on the street and it's like one of those things where if you can sell on the street, you can sell anywhere, you know, it's mm. like, give me a gallery, like forget <laughs> about it. But it's always been to me, it's like just keeping the difference is for me. It's like I don't go to a gallery and be like, right now I'm going to make millions and thousands of dollars on this painting. I always keep my price points very similar, mm. and I've realised that's what people want. Even if someone has like X amount of money, everyone wants a deal, and that's what yeah that's what it's about. So yeah, you up your prices a bit because you have rent etc., but you keep it marginable. And you just let, when people come in, they're just like, wow, that's amazing. That's really yeah. good. And then you tell them how much it is and they don't even second think. They're just like, I'll, I'll take it. Mm. So I try and keep that real. Yeah, I mean, what,
0: so what would you say your top three tips
1: on selling art in the streets would be? Um, know your client, right? You, it just becomes, it becomes secondary. It's like, it becomes a natural thing. You know who's wasting your time, who's not wasting your time. And so tip number one is like, don't waste your energy on someone that's going to waste your time. Just like when, you know, tip one is just know the person. Tip two is accommodate them. Let them know that, you know, talk to them about your work. Make them feel like they're a part of the whole process. And -hmm. I think the third tip is just like, let, know what you're, expenses are so when you make a piece like be very aware of like what you spent on the piece but be willing to come down on your price for that person always like make that person feel like they've got what they've wanted you know mm. so i think that's like it's like a three-step stage so it's like no if someone's wasting your time then be there for that person if they're not and then find out what they want to spend and work yeah. out and uh, yeah Mm, I
0: like that. So how,
1: you know, how do you, what kind of things, how do you know if this person's wasting your time or not? I think it's just, it, it comes from experience. It's just, um, you when someone comes back, you definitely know they're interested. If You get people that just like genuinely just appreciate your art. And that that to me is sometimes like priceless. That's the best part. Like mm-hmm. when someone comes up and I, I think it's really weird Like um I don't think anyone really ever wastes your time. I think um they I'm talking more in like a sales perspective. That's when they're wasting your time. But I think like I get people that can stand in front of the work and I know they're not gonna buy it, but they like somehow give me this like energy of like calmness. That Mm. I I want them in my gallery because they have this they absorb me with like these this emotion. I don't even know how to explain Mm. it, but it's like this nostalgia, they they give off this thing and they're just, they're very calm and they really rep- appreciate like what you're doing. And I think that's like, for me, one of the most amazing feelings is when someone comes in and they're just emotionally overwhelmed by what you've done. Mm. That is something that you can't buy. And um, it's just to be able to make someone feel like that, that's what makes me feel like I've kind of done my job, you know? Yeah,
0: that's a powerful
1: feeling. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. That's great. Wow. Now how do you go go back a little bit here and how do you,
0: what's your feelings on making art that you're passionate about and you love and then art that is catering more towards an audience or do you blend the two?
1: Yeah, definitely blend them. There's things that I do, which I think are mediocre, but I know that they'll sell and there's things that I make and I'm like, wow, that's pretty amazing. Like, I can't believe I just did that. Mm. Um, But at the same time, going back to the whole, Like my whole ethos is like, I can't even if I really like something, I don't, I'm an artist that has no art in my apartment because I sell it all. (laughs) So like, if you come to my apartment, (laughs) my bedroom is naked. I have nothing. I'm like, literally look like I've just moved in. Um, And if I have paintings on the wall, they'll be gone in a week. But um, yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely a line where I'm very comfortable. Like I'll just make it. Like I won't even think twice. Like I'll make a print and then i'll just like bang it out sell it and then there's stuff that i make and i'll I'll step back and i'll be like wow that's really good Mm. but at the same time for me because it is a business and it's just the way i've been trained i've trained myself i don't have an emotional contact to it i just have to separate that that's yeah rule number one for me
0: yeah, and it sounds like you know, as you're out there selling your work, and you're getting, the, you're working in front of more people, in front of more eyes, and interacting with people, you're getting a lot of feedback as to what's working, what's not working. Exactly. Yeah. And you've been able to apply that to the pieces that you've been creating.
1: Yeah. Oh no, definitely. But what's really funny is that you understand is like, <laughs> so I'll make a piece of work, and then it won't sell for like three months, and that for me is really bad. Mm. And I'll be like, right, I've got to do something about this. So I'll aim to paint over the canvas. And then that day someone will walk in and they'll buy it. So there's always one person that will want something. There's, you could make something which is so awful, but there is a person on this planet that will love it. There's like, <laughs> do you yeah, know what I mean? It's totally. Like, it's, um, yeah, there's someone for everything for someone, you know? Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And Someone for everything.
0: Yeah, totally. And, you know, I kind of going back, I like to go back here and just kind of pick up points that you mentioned and you mentioned, so when you're using the feedback that you've taken from people that are selling, Yeah. do you start creating a body of work that
1: is more, um, based off of, of those results? Yeah, no, sometimes um, I I won't make things that I don't want to make though, unless it's a commission and, or if it, you know, like I do work with restaurants, hotels now, and um, that's very difficult sometimes because it's, it's something that in my head I need to get working on straight away. But like, because you're doing something so specific for them, it takes like months just to get the project started because it's like, they want to change this, they want to change that. Um, things like that, yeah, that can be a bit different. Like that can make me go and work on something that I'm not completely in control of. Like but I normally do things that I'm, you know, in the gallery that I I mean that's how people like commission me. That's like firstly what they see. Mm-hmm. So they're just like, Oh, I love this piece, but I want a different colour with it. So if I blow up a photograph and then I'll paint on it. I'm willing to, like, change the colors. Like, the person be, I love that, but I don't like it in pink. I'd like it in yellow. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, I can do that for you. Oh, wow. So there's things like that that I'll do. But um, normally, you know, I, I do all my own creativity. I'm, like, the director of everything. And then people come in, they see it, and they like it. And then, yeah. That's great. Yeah,
0: now, right. Yeah, and it, it's kind of you know, we talked about that whole, there's the balance between art and commerce. And yeah. obviously you have to make enough money to, to pay your bills, but you also have to do enough creative work to feed your soul. And it sounds like you're creating that balance now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I am. But like, you know, you can't, I think when I first met you, we were talking about this. It's like, you can't just be creative when you're a, when you're a creative person in life in general, I think like as a human being, you can't just always feel like, even people that work at nine to five, like you wake up sometimes, you just don't wanna to go to work. You're just like, not feeling, you've got stacks of paperwork, sitting at a desk, you just don't wanna do it. As an artist, I can't, like, if someone says to me that like, I would love this, what's the turnover time, and I'm not feeling creative, I won't give them and I'll just be like, I'll get back to you. Um, you know, I just, I need to feel it. I need to feel like yeah. I want to work. I can't just go into the studio and just start painting. There's just no <laughs> chance. Otherwise I'll just make something that's awful. Um, but yeah, I, I lose creative. Like last month I just had no creativity in me. And then you just get spurts. Like someone will come in, you'll meet someone they'll give you this energy i don't know like where it comes from but then suddenly i'm like on you know yeah. the weather's bad like ugh, weather's <laughs> good, you know yeah so it's it's a, it's an up and down system it's um but yeah it's tough it's tough like i think anyone who's creative can like emphasize with that you know you know that you have to feel it you know
0: yeah 100 percent. I i feel the same way a lot of times and Is the next question at least in the next question is because you know when you're when you're going through these ups and downs I feel like the further along you get in your journey the more that you can kind of open yourself up to the space of getting to that flow yeah
1: totally I mean there's I'm gonna have it again it's like it's one of these things where like now I'm feeling it I'm on it I'm being creative but I know that like you know I'm prepared you prepare I prepare myself like that I'm Gonna lose that energy. It's like the whole walking away from it to come back to it. It's like sometimes Mm. you need to do that, but like you just have to accept it. You have to accept that that's going to happen. Yeah, you have to know that that's going to happen, and then just do something else productive in that time. Like you don't, you could do something so uncreate. Like go away for a bit. Like just don't dwell on like the problem because then it becomes an issue. Just know that this is natural, and just. Just let it all fall into place, I believe. Yeah. Are there any rituals that you do when you're trying
0: to access that creative flow when you're not in it and you're trying to access it?
1: Um, I don't know. I like I listen, I watch movies, um, listen to music, get out of New York, like (laughs) try and go to like fish. (laughs) Just do things that are so opposite. Mm. Um yeah, just I don't know, just do yeah it just happens. I, I'm not really like, I don't think I'm even aware of what I'm doing when it happens, but like, go, I love walking. Like, mm. so I'll take my dog. We'll go like walking in Brooklyn. I'll walk from where I live to prospect park. I'll walk the whole park and then I'll come back. And it's like a good two out, two and a half hour walk. I, walking is a great room, like a great way to like redeem yourself and get your head clear and, uh, yeah, I love walking.
0: Yeah, that's good. And I, I hear that, you know, I, I was talking to somebody else about how
1: movement and. Yeah, and the gym as well. The gym's a great way to release that energy, you know? Yeah, it, it accesses, it gets your brain moving and, yeah.
0: and flowing in different spaces. So, well, tell us about the, the Shed Project and how that came up. What exactly is it? And.
1: So, it it kind of, when I first started the Shed Project, I didn't really have a plan (laughs) it was it all kind of fell into place it was like one of these things i was given this opportunity very lucky to have like the option to do it and i basically was given this space in soho i met with this guy and he'd like was you know he wanted to do something with art and so the Shed project basically for me the way i see it is this gallery workshop so it's a place that people can walk into i'm trying to like bring back that old seventies, eighties vibe, where you can walk into an artist's studio, gallery space, and purchase work. So we do different lines of work. So we'll do work for hotels, work for restaurants, etc. As explaining before, and then we'll have a midline work where we present all our presentation work that we show these people. We sell. So you can come into the gallery and you can purchase like very decent size work, canvases, oil, photography, everything but it's very affordable so mm. it's like trying to make art for the people mm. so you come in and now we're doing classes i teach people how to like do collage um, abstract and i want to it's just expanding more and more ideas so i wanted to, i'm just trying to create this creative hub where people can come into and feel this energy and even be inspired and now i'm doing projects where people we do interactive art now where people that off the street come in and they can just like spray a colour on a canvas, mm. and then just walk away, and just like that's it. And then, uh, and then I'll donate that piece to charity. Oh, cool! So there's a lot of different things we're doing right now, but um, the Shred Project, yeah, is a place where people can just feel comfortable walk in, and you can be anybody, and it's just like not trying to be pretentious with art. We're just trying to like have Mister X, Mrs X, come in off the street. And, and you can walk away with a piece of art and you get to meet the the artists as well Yeah, and it's just like, trying to like detach from that whole like sterile sterilization like the gallery where it's like you come in and there's like no energy and it's just someone on their laptop and they don't really care about you, it's about their commission, we're trying to like completely change that, it's like you come in and we're like hi, how are you, like not trying to drown you with friendliness but like let you know that you're welcome here, come back, you know, chill, like have a drink with us on a Thursday night after yeah. work, watch us make something. And it just like, I think people like that. It's a very New York thing. And it's a it's just a, a more social way of interacting with artists. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I mean,
0: I definitely felt that
1: that warmth when I walked
0: in the door the other day. And I think it's definitely a different environment. And I like, the, you know, the, the feeling of the studio. Yeah. Um, definitely. It has a little bit more of grit, more of like a organic roots type of feel to it.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, that's definitely what I've tried to achieve because it was was like naked. When we moved in, there was nothing in there. It was just an empty room and we completely built it from up. So it's like we made it what it is. And again, going back to the whole thing, when someone just walks in and, you know, you're talking about like, how do you know when someone's going to buy something? even when people don't buy anything uh, for me, it's like when they walk in, they do a circle in the gallery, they'll walk out and before they walk out, they'll just thank me. They're like, thank you so much. Mm. Like you have created something incredible here. The energy is next level. I'm just like, wow, thank you very much. And um, again, it's like money can't buy that. It's like, and I created that energy and to have people appreciate and acknowledge that is Mm. kind of overwhelming sometimes. That's awesome. It sounds like that's kind of what
0: you're about is creating that, that synergy and, and the creative back and forth. I love people. it, yeah.
1: I love doing that, I do. Do you, do you co-work on pieces with other people or do you do most of this stuff yourself? Mainly work by myself, but I'm starting to now. Um, it's nothing to do with not trusting people. It's just the way I've worked, but I'm starting to meet artists that I feel I have a very similar pattern to mm. and it's almost like I could do something and just leave them the piece and let them finish it and just trust them yeah so yeah I'm starting I'm definitely starting to collaborate a lot more now that's awesome yeah and what now what are the ideas behind the classes that you guys are teaching so the idea the idea is so I people come in and they get a bit kind of nervy they're like I don't know how to paint I don't know if I should do this and I'm like you're actually the perfect person I don't want like Mr. Clever Clogs coming in and like (laughs) bringing his own like materials like he's like The bee's knees, and he's like, No, actually, you should do it like this. I I love it. It's a very social environment. It's we're trying, so I'm working with this girl right now, and we've come up with different concepts. She's amazing. Um, Her name's Alison, you actually know her, Hmm. and she introduced us, and um, she's phenomenal. So we've come up with this concept. So now we'll do different classes, so it's like ladies' night. So it sounds great but I was raised by women's the first time I did it I just 10 girls drinking (laughs) so it's it's a more relaxed way though it's like a cooking class but with art so they come in and it's like collage and everyone's like gets their canvas I give them backgrounds so Mm. I give them like an example a a background layer and then from that they work on their own piece and they get to take the piece home with them But during that session it becomes a very social environment you meet people you have a glass of wine there's no stress you know it's a very relaxing environment and there's music and it's I think it's just like by the by the end of it everyone's friends and we all go out afterwards for a drink Hmm. so there's that and then I'd like to do one which is aimed more with creative people so it's more like a forum where like chefs can meet artists can meet and they come together and it's that they can like as well as making artwork and relaxing, they can exchange ideas. Yeah. So it's kind of like, um, like a creative forum for people to like talk about stuff and then paint at the same time. So it's mm. creativity on creativity. And then we also do birthday parties now. So it's starting to emerge into um, a business side of things. Oh, and then cool. on weekends, we're trying to have it as a kid drop off point where parents can drop their kids off with us go and have, like, a fun day out, come back, pick their kids up, covered in paint. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, so we're trying to, like, do different, like, demographics. But, yeah. Yeah,
0: well, I love that. I mean, especially teaching kids to do art from a young age. It's important.
1: No, totally. And I I love working with kids. They're actually some of the most inspiring people. Um, Listening to them just, you know, so, so... innocent, like their ideas. It's great. So yeah, that's kind of where I'd like to go with it as well. That's
0: awesome. So what's the big vision of, of the project?
1: I think the big, so the big vision for me is like to have this, I want to be this place where people come to, they know about us. It's like, we almost are like a landmark in Soho Mm. and they can get to meet us as well. And we have a team of people that will be working on projects and we'll always be doing something creative. It's like. the thing i love about where i work the most is when you walk in in the morning you put the shutters up you open the door and you just get this smell of like spray paint or like Hmm. acrylic paint it's like it's like a real kind of people like that they walk in like people walk in they go oh i love that smell and it's like yeah (laughs) i'm like getting high (laughs) off this right like trying to like not get too in I, i just don't even smell it anymore but it's that's what we're trying to do the like the objective is like To have that landmark where people can come in and they're just like always different works going on classes want to do lectures like even like yourself I'd like to start a podcast where we can have people coming into the studio Mm. and like talking about the creative stuff even strangers just like ask them questions like do like a note that doesn't even need to be like a theme to it but Mm. like I want it to be this kind of like hub for creative people And then also I'd like to kind of take the whole mobile gallery thing back. I'm like working on that right now. So it's like the shed on wheels, you know, move around the city, move like around the country, um, take it to different states. Yeah. It's forever going. There's, there's no real end. There's no real start. It's just a thing. I did, you know how it is like ideas. I did like, it's just like, like a, a continuing project with welcome to suggestions and ideas. I'm always open to creative ideas. And I mean, a lot of the things that we do come from other people's input as well. Mm. So I'm, I'm very open. I'm not stubborn like that. So it's right now. I just love it to be like a landmark. So you could be in Italy, come to New York and you know about us, you know, like even people from London, they're like, Oh, I read about you. So that's the idea. It's like really to kind of like get a good status And um, let people walk away with something as well. Just have like different points where we have different pieces for different people and everyone can have something. I love that. I love that.
0: And so, you know, this is a little bit, you know, call it cliche, but where, where does your inspiration come from? I mean, you know, we all have as artists, we all, it seems so... I don't know what the, what the word is for it, but we all have like these little pieces of things that inspire us to create our own Absolutely. art. Absolutely,
1: I mean, um, I get inspired a lot by music. I mm. listen to music and a lot of the times I'll write in a piece, I'll write a line from a song sometimes. Um, I get inspired by people, just conversations, people. like I'll, I always write stuff down, so like if mm. I'm out and I have an idea, I'll write it down straight away and like have it in my phone. My note list. Um, I get inspired by conversation, music. Um, I <laughs> it's funny like I get inspired by other artists as well, but yeah. I don't think that's funnily enough not my biggest inspiration point. I get inspired by energies. I, I like. I just get. I I think we're always being inspired, but like an idea will click like that. It will happen anywhere yeah and it can happen from anything it could be like watching a movie reading a book flipping through a magazine and seeing like something that's something as well like looking at other like advert campaigns or like stuff like that colors kind of come into my mind a lot Mm. Um, i love color like i color is so important to me i was never a black and white photographer i didn't ever want to be one i'm all my work, if it is black and white, I will purposely put color on it. Mm. So it's, um, yeah, just I, I get inspired by so many things.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, I mean, that kind of leads us into the last question, which I love to ask all my uh, podcast guests is, yeah. what does live
1: inspiration mean to you? Live inspiration. Interesting. Um, I wish I would have listened to your podcast before I came here so I could have <laughs> heard some other answers live inspiration i think live inspiration if i just flow with the word in my head live inspiration is just go get what you want don't even you know people often ask me like do you not get put off by other like do you like how do you do it like there's so much competition that you're your own competition there's no one else stopping you from getting what you want out there Mm. you're the only person that can stop you so live I would say literally see the other like where the the other end and just walk to it and don't let anyone stop you do it and that's living it and that's being inspired by it and just go get what you want and everything else around you just block it out you're the only person that can make it happen yeah that's beautiful I love
0: that. So, uh, where can we find you online and where, how can we get involved with the shed
1: project? So the shed project is, um, in Soho. We're based on Mott street. It's one seven nine Mott street between Kemo and Broom. The website is www.theshedprojectny.com. You can find me. I'm on Instagram. My Instagram is jgoldcrown. You can contact me through that. Um, And you can reach out to us if you go to the website, you can find us, you can contact us through that as well.
0: Awesome. And definitely if you're in New York, go and check out the space. It's really cool and inspiring and you get to meet James and and have a conversation. (laughs) If I'm in the good mood. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode of Shop Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, and I hope you enjoyed James's story today, because I sure did. And you can check out his work at the shedprojectny.com. You can also check out the photo shoot that we did at the studio at shoptalkradio.com slash EP30. If you enjoyed today's episode and were inspired, A, we'd love to see where you are listening to Shop Talk Radio. So you can tag me at Nick Gonkin or hashtag Shop Talk Radio in Instagram. And also, if you are enjoying and want to spread the word, help us by leaving a review over on iTunes. So until next time, we'll see you soon.
1: I was like taking Polaroids I threw the case away of the Polaroid case and in a bin and the kids just all like hurled off they ran off and they grabbed a Polaroid from my hand and then they were all like around this like trash can I was like what the hell are they doing and then they came back with the canister of the Polaroid and they'd made a frame and they'd put flowers around it and they did this in like 10 seconds Wow! and I was just like wow